Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, February 11th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Wydran Bowie. Hey, everyone. So normally we are doing a water cooler episode on a Monday, but Jacob is out sick, uh, so we all wish that he will get better. And uh, tomorrow, hopefully, we will do we'll return with a usual water cooler episode. But today, it, it, it works out, anyways, because there was a lot of news that hit uh, today and over the weekend. And the biggest bit of news, I think, came from the TCAs with Hulu announcing that they're teaming up with Disney's Marvel Studios on an animated uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe of sorts. Um, so, uh, Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, so what it sounds like Hulu is doing is they're kind of taking a cue from Netflix uh, and creating a, a series of individual animated shows focusing on Marvel characters, and then they will uh, bring them together into a series a la The Defenders, uh, except this one is called The Offenders, or without the emphasis, uh, The Offenders. Yeah. And the uh, there's a series of uh four shows that will lead up to this and it sounds like they'll be in the vein of like kind of like a mix of like of adult swim and marvel comics it seems like especially when it, when you we get a load of the various comedic talents that are on board each of these shows so we're we're looking more something that is uh geared towards a mature audience and not necessarily some like the kind of superhero shows you normally see at places like Disney XD or, or anything like that. With Disney buying 20th Century Fox, they're going to own a majority stake in Hulu. So it makes sense that they're invested in Hulu. And they, they've they've kind of insinuated, I think Bob Iger has insinuated that the the more the, the, the content that won't be family friendly from those two studios is going to make its way TV wise onto, onto Hulu. So uh, let's talk about this first one. This is uh, Marvel's Modoc. Is that how you pronounce it? That's, I believe that is how you pronounce it. Uh, Modoc is one of those, uh, one of the more obscure uh, characters, if you will, from Marvel Comics. Um, it stands for uh, for 
mental mobile mechanized organism designed only for killing. Um, and the character is basically so that so the Modok is this uh, egomaniacal supervillain. He has a huge head and a really tiny um, me- mechanized body. Uh, he's extremely intelligent. Um, and he in this series, basically, he's struggling to maintain control of his evil, evil organization and his demanding family. So it, it's likely that his uh, small stature will come into play when it comes to his leadership capabilities and whatnot. Um, the most exciting thing about this series is that Patton Oswalt is writing with Jordan Bloom, who has written on Community and American Dad. And Pat Oswalt's also executive producing, along with Marvel TV's uh, usual executive producer, Jeff Loeb. And Pat Oswalt is uh, very famously a huge uh, comic book nerd. He uh, loves comic book characters. He loves basically anything nerd-related, he, he is all about it. And so having him aboard an animated series like this is extremely promising. It's really the one thing that has me remotely interested in a series about Modoc. So I, I'm definitely down to check this out whenever it comes to Hulu. You know, I, I've read my share of Marvel comics, and I don't think I've ever read anything that featured Modoc in a, you know, a featured capacity in any way. But I feel like most people out there would recognize him. He is iconic. Um, the look of him, even though, you know, I feel like many people don't know who he is. He's, he's been in a bunch of the Marvel video games and stuff, too. So it's it's not just the comics. The character has been yeah. uh, tossed around quite a bit. And actually, there was a time when MODOK was considered to be uh, one of the villains that appeared in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, but it ended up not working out and they kind of revamped it and uh, switched gears a little bit. Um, I don't know much about this character, if anything at all. Uh, Patton Oswalt does sort of pique my interest a little bit, as does Jordan Bloom, because I really enjoyed Community. Um, but I can't say I have an interest in this series. I feel like out of everybody on staff, you are probably the one that watches the most animated content each year. I do. Yeah. Yes. So, uh... Um, I mean, I, I just, I... It's really early to say, so it'll have yeah. to be a trailer or something for me to, or like the talent announced for me to kind of want to uh, in, get interested in this series. Yeah, I think I'm interesting interested because of Patton Oswalt, but I don't watch many animated shows these days. Like even, you know, there's a Star Wars animated series that is in canon and takes place during the new, you know, Star Wars sequel trilogy, and I'm not watching it. Because, you know, there's just too many things to watch these days. And this is going to have to be really good to get my attention. The thing that worries me here is, unlike the Marvel Plus shows that have been formally announced and rumored, those shows are going to be executive produced with uh, Kevin Feige, who runs the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These shows are produced by Jeff Loeb, who is responsible for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows. So, uh it's part of the field is not bad peter uh, it's not bad it's good <laughs> it, part of wonders good if maybe... is a strong word hg good <laughs> is strong. part of me wonders if maybe jeff Loeb's involvement is more just because he's like the head of marvel tv and maybe it's just more of a he's kind of involved but they'll, they'll let these people do their own thing oh maybe but i just i just I think hope so. he, he's done some good stuff in comics but i think if you look at the breadth of 
of stuff he has created for Netflix and and ABC. Sorry, uh, I feel like I feel like I don't have much trust in this guy. He he has a horrible like he's almost like Avi Arad in that everything he touches he kind of brings some bad to. I don't know. Maybe maybe I am attributing way too much to this man, but I, I've talked to him many times throughout the years when promoting like film uh, like shows like daredevil and stuff and he really seems like one of those hollywood dudes that thinks he knows everything and it's clear that he doesn't but <laughs> um okay let's talk about the uh, another series that they announced this is marvel's hit monkey what is this brad uh well if you weren't on board for a tiny uh egomaniacal mechanized supervillain you probably won't be on board for this it's marvel's hit monkey uh, which tells the story of a wronged Japanese snow monkey who is mentored by the ghost of an American assassin as he cuts a wide swath through the Tokyo underworld in a darkly cinematic and brutally funny revenge saga. Okay, now this sounds like something HT can get on board for. No? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm down, yeah. <laughs> it's actually, a monkey does... in the Tokyo underworld, HT. <laughs> This does sound pretty cool. It sounds something akin to uh, Samurai Jack, which was a really great Cartoon Network series. Um, and I am interested in this based on this premise, actually. I'm, I'm down. Um, I don't know much about the, the writers. Uh, yeah, I the didn't... writers, uh, they're also directors, Josh Gordon and mm-hmm. Will Speck. They did Blades of Glory, that uh, Will Ferrell movie, The Office Christmas Party, which I never saw in the Switch uh, Brad, you're our resident comedy guy. Uh, how how do those credits uh, add up for you? Uh, they're fine for the most part. I, um, Blades of Glory is is definitely uh, one, the goofier of the the Will Ferrell sports comedies that he's done, and probably probably the the worst. But it's not bad. It's still pretty funny. Office Christmas Party was pretty it, good. It, it has like the least legacy, I think, out of any of them. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, Office Christmas Party is pretty good. Uh, the switch is is solid. Feel, although it feels a little bit more like it should have been like some kind of like indie Sundance comedy instead of what it was. But um, it they do seem like an odd pair to tackle something like this. Um, I, I I'm not necessarily familiar as far as like if they've ever done anything with animation before or even action to know if they're uh, suited for this because their their comedy movies definitely don't show that. Yeah. Uh, it, they are, you know, adept at doing that kind of material. So this this could be kind of a test for them, and it could could allow them to break out and do something much different than we've seen them do before. Yeah, and HT mentioned uh, what Samurai Jack. I- I'm picturing like some kind of like really stylistic, you know, trying to be uh, balls to the walls, like looking unlike any of the other. Marvel animated shows like just from the description alone but then on the other hand we know that these characters are going to have to meet up in the same world later on Mm. so maybe that is not the case maybe it could be something like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse in which all these characters have their own separate animation style and yet somehow still work in the same world so I don't know if that'll be the case but that would be a good way to consolidate like the different styles that we already kind of see just based on these premises yeah, yeah. You, you know the promising thing about this is it's not like they're just taking big name characters and being like we're going to make this animated cinematic universe. All of these characters sound like animation is the medium to bring these characters to life. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. having this uh, monkey, this snow monkey on a revenge tale through the Tokyo Underworld animation. Modok animation. Uh, Howard the Duck. We'll, we'll get to the rest, but animation. Uh, Brad, actually, let's let's move on to the next one. This is Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show. Yes, Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show. Uh, teaming up two woke superheroes and best friends, Tigra and Dazzler, as they fight for recognition among powered people who make up the 8 million stories in Los Angeles. Um, the series is going to be written by uh, Erica Rivanoha from South Park, Last Man on Earth, uh, and uh, also Chelsea Handler, the comedian who also had several of her own talk shows on the E! Network and Netflix. And, of course, Jeff Loeb is also executive producing this, as he's doing all of them. And uh, this one sounds like it's the most, I don't know, I guess, different out of all of them. Because it's, I mean... Dazzler is known for being uh, sort of this like pop star style character, um, even though she's she's a mutant. She has light energy beams, and then Tigra is basically a you know a character who has the traits of of a tiger. And I don't know the the description seems almost like intentionally vague. Like there's maybe more to it than they're they're getting at. How crazy is it, by the way, that we have a Disney animated show that uses the word woke in its official description? <laughs> I don't know. We live in crazy times. And uh, Chelsea Handler, who I guess is going to be a writer on this, she really hasn't r- written anything except for her show Chelsea lately, um, which I have not seen. Brad, have you watched that? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Chelsea Handler. I don't think, necessarily think she's bad. She's just not usually my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, and Erica, in addition to writing for South Park and Last Man on Earth, you, the, the 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 movies that you skipped here, Brad, are uh, Girl Trip and Ugly Dolls. She and she she provided the the story for uh, Trolls, Trolls as well. So it's a mix of good and bad there. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what this is. This this description is too vague to I think make. Uh, a big judgment on uh let's part move me, part of me wonders if it's going to be a series that kind of focuses on them being more like almost like celebrities who are trying to like outdo each other and be the more popular superhero or something like that like because that's kind of seems like seems like it, that's what it's getting at possibly uh it'll be interesting um okay let's move on to uh, how uh, marvel's howard the duck uh, of course, you saw Howard the Duck in, uh, you know, spoiler alert, a post-credit scene for Guardians of the Galaxy, and people have been kind of demanding that he make it into Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't think that that's going to happen. And I think this show kind of solidifies the fact that he's probably not going to be really a big part of the cinematic universe, but he will be part of this animated universe. And Brad, what do we know about the show? So this says that Marvel's Howard the Duck is trapped in a world he never made, but America's favorite fighting foul hopes to return home with the help of his unstoppable gal pal, Beverly, before the evil Dr. Bong can turn him into the crispiest dish on the menu. (laughs) And uh, this series is being written by Kevin Smith. Yes, that Kevin Smith of Clerks and Jay and Silent Bob fame. And Dave Willis, who is a writer on Adult Swim's series Space Ghost, uh, Aquatine, Hunger Force, Archer, and Squidbillies. Uh, and of course, Jeff Loeb is executive producing, blah, 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 blah. So, um, Kevin Smith has been saying for a while now he's been working on the biggest thing 
that he's ever been part of in his entire career. Uh, people thought it was Star Wars. He said no. People thought it was going to be a Marvel movie. He said no, it's not a Marvel movie. Uh, is this the thing he's been talking about, Brad? I think it's possible, but at the same time, like he very much went out of his way to say that it was like the biggest IP that he had ever worked on. And like, I'm not sure Howard the Duck qualifies as a character who is bigger than like the flash or Supergirl since he directed episodes of those series on the CW and Kevin Smith's also written comic books for the likes of Batman and daredevil. So I don't know if maybe he was just talking about the scope of the project because like, even though Supergirl and the flash are very big network TV shows, I guess something like this is a really big deal because it's linked to all these other series and will be part of the crossover series, the offenders so maybe this is what he's talking about, but it seems like maybe he, like, I don't know, oversold it a little bit or, you know, maybe didn't necessarily say what he meant to in the right capacity. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's something else he's working on, but there it does seem like this, there's a chance this could be that the big secret project he was teasing. Yeah, and this isn't the first time that Kevin Smith has worked on animation uh, in TV. He had Clark's The Animated Series, which... I love. I think that show was so far ahead of its time. I think it um, kind of uh, did what later, you know, Family Guy and those kind of shows did. And it, it, it unfortunately kind of got shafted on uh, whatever network it was on. Was that an ABC or? I yeah, know. it was on ABC. Yeah. Um, Brad, are you excited for Howard the Duck? Uh, it's probably the one that I'm most excited about out of this entire lineup, simply because uh, Howard the Duck has a lot of potential as a character, and Kevin Smith is somebody who I've I've loved, you know, for for a while. Even though his recent films have left a lot to be desired, I still have a soft spot for Kevin Smith in my heart. And having him tackle something like Howard the Duck in an animated form uh, sounds exactly like something that Kevin Smith would be perfect at doing. So I'm I'm definitely willing to see how this turns out. I was a huge Kevin Smith fan, and I feel like things went downhill. Uh, after Zach and Mary make a porno and he, uh, notoriously during that movie in the editing room, he got high with Seth Rogen and then became a huge stoner. A lot of people thought he was a stoner before that because of Jay and Silent Bob, um, you know, their stance on drugs and stuff like that. But he became a stoner then. And then he started making these movies like Tusk and uh, what was the uh, the one that was that Sunday? The other one? That Red, was? Red State. Red State. No, the other uh, the one with his oh. daughter. That's oh, uh, yoga hosers. Yoga hosers. Like he's been making these horrible movies that are based on conversations he had while he was high on his podcast, and they're really bad. But I feel like maybe you know Kevin Smith, maybe the high Kevin Smith coming up with ideas for Howard the Duck is the perfect combination of things. Does that does that sound like anything you'd want to watch, HT? Yeah, that actually, you're selling it pretty well, even though I don't have that much interest in Howard the Duck either, despite this being the biggest name property of these series that I'm familiar with. Um, I only really know Howard the Duck through pop culture osmosis. I've never seen the the, the infamous yeah. uh, 1980s movie, uh, despite seeing some scenes and just kind of knowing why it was a little bit weird because it was like, oh, um, whatever her name was, uh, the this girl was going to have sex with Howard the Duck, which is a little bit odd. But um, And I remember seeing him in Guardians of the Galaxy and everyone being very excited. But I've never had like personal ties with him. But I can get behind this animated series and maybe give Kevin Smith behind it. Um, I could finally see what the, the deal is with Howard the Duck. 
Now, all, uh, what, four of these, uh, five of these characters, four of these shows are going to team up in Marvel's The Offenders. Uh, do we know anything more about that, Brad? Basically, all it says is that uh, all these characters will team up in order to save the world and certain parts of the universe, uh, which is an interesting way of phrasing things. And it makes me wonder exactly what that means. Yeah. And we don't know who's involved in this one. It doesn't say, like, who, who's creatively involved. I'm, I'm assuming this is so far into the future on this timeline because they're going to probably have to do each of these shows before then and then lead up to the offenders. So maybe there isn't a showrunner on board yet. True. And I would assume that they would probably all have their own hand in kind of helping the series along anyway, in the same way that uh, the directors of the various individual Marvel franchises have had uh, have uh, consulted on the likes of Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. So maybe maybe that's something that will also happen here with the Offenders. Cool. Um, let's move on to, let's go from the Marvel Universe to the DC Universe. Let's talk about Pennyworth, the TV show that we uh, love to kind of egg on in our Slash Film Slack channel. Uh, this is the, the origin story for uh, Alfred, uh, young hot Alfred uh, learning to become the butler and, uh, you know, helper of ba- of Batman. HT, we, we just learned some new stuff about the show from the TCAs. And before that, uh, w- what do we know? Yeah, so it's not enough for Alfred Pennyworth just to be a British SAS officer and hardened um, butler, uh, hard, yeah. hardened butler to be. But in his origin series that is set to uh, debut soon on Epics, uh, he will be battling the grandkids of Jack the Ripper because that's the only villain that we know from London, apparently. Um, so he in this origin series, it's set in 1960s London, which is way after the time of Jack the Ripper, who um, was infamous during the an infamous serial killer during the time of the, I think, early 1900s, late 1800s. And uh, but here he'll be battling the grandkids of Jack the Ripper the, or the descendants, rather, according to um, producer Danny Cannon, who said that the show will feature archetypal villains and classic villains of British literature, including Jack the Ripper's descendants. Jack the Ripper's descendants. Do we do <laughs> we want to see a show where Alfred, uh, the SAS uh, agent who is going to eventually become the butler, is going after Jack the Ripper? Oh, by the way, I, how I, much of a demotion is that? <laughs> I feel like this series is just like a Mad Libs of whatever British literary or pop culture classics they can throw in. And um, this is just the the peak of that, I think. This is just, I don't really know how this will end up. I kind of applaud them for their their ambition. But yeah, um, yeah, this this does not seem, this seems just like a strange choice. And uh, it's kind of sad, too, that, like, apparently uh, Jack the Ripper's descendants are are doomed to share his, his uh, thirst for blood. Yeah. Um, I think there was a Batman series that took place back in the time of Jack the Ripper with Batman, Detective Batman, going after uh, Jack the Ripper. Maybe that was uh, Gotham by... Gotham by Gaslight. Gaslight. It was yeah. yeah. It was a DC Comics one-shot that was from the Elseworlds uh, sort of issues and it was um it took place in 
that time period and saw Batman tussling with the infant serial killer. It also became a 2018 animated film, with, which was just Gotham by Gaslight, I think. Yeah, I wonder if this is going to take any inspiration from that. And uh, Fred, our, our, our reporter Fred Tobel, is at the TCAs, and there was some information relayed there about this world. Uh, do, do you want to talk a little bit about that, H.J.? Yeah, so Pennyworth, which is the name of the series, will be uh, its own take on the 1960s, uh, sort of how Inglorious Bastards told Quentin Tarantino's version of World War II, in which it's his heroes could change the course of history. So, uh, for example, the Queen of England is a character in Pennyworth, but it's not Queen Elizabeth the second um, Heller, who is the showrunner for this series, said this is very much an alternate universe. It's not England in the 1960s as we remember it. So he is um, the Pennyworth in this series is a young man whose father was a butler and his father wanted him to be a butler. But it's the last thing he wanted to do. So, of course, he goes off to join the SIS and ends up becoming a butler anyways. <laughs> he discovers that is his calling. Mm-hmm. Um it- and what else do we know about this world? So it's um, inspired partly by uh, Michael Caine's take, actually, in The Dark Knight. Um, Heller kind of, uh, Bruna Heller kind of credits uh, Dark- Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy with introducing the idea that Alfred was an SAS soldier in his youth. And in this series, it'll be kind of about how the world is different back then and how the world will change in order to create what comes after it. And it kind of questions or it fills in the blanks about how why he goes to America, how he ends up in Gotham, and why he ends up serving Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Why did he take that big demotion from a you know, from being James Bond to uh yeah, I just gonna help this rich guy's son become a vigilante. It, uh, <laughs> uh Brad, are are you at all interested in this show? No, I don't I don't care. Like <laughs> <laughs> I just I have no interest whatsoever in Alfred's backstory. Uh, even the first look picture, I see this the um, Jack Bannon playing him, and he doesn't look like anything like re- remotely resembling a character that I want to follow. Uh, getting into scuffles with Jack the Ripper's grandkids, it's like I, I just don't I don't, don't don't see where the value is here. Uh, it's it's another thing where everyone's going to be waiting to see like what links there are that that set up you know, what Alfred does to make Bruce Wayne Batman. And I, I don't know, it's just it just feels like way too much of a of a reach. Where's the show airing, HD? It's going to be on Epics. Which is interesting because it's a good transition to our next story. Epics is jumping into the streaming service wars with a new uh, streaming service called Epics Now. You wrote about this for the site, HD. What, what should we know about Epics Now? Yeah, so Epics Now was just launched yesterday, and it will be a subscription service uh, that is $5.99 per month, and it offers both Epics original series as well as MGM's entire movie library. So that includes films from the archives of MGM, Paramount, and Lionsgate. That includes films like A Quiet Place, Annihilation, and more. And uh, the Epics original series, of course, includes Pennyworth, as well as other new shows such as Godfather of Harlem, starring Forrest Whitaker, Perpetual Grace, limited featuring Sir Ben Kingsley, the docuseries Punk from Iggy Pop, and Elvis Goes There with 
Elvis Mitchell. Um, this uh, streaming service will be available on the App Store for iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and Google Play for Android phone, phones and tablets. And it will also be coming to Roku devices, which was announced last month, um, and eventually also make its way to Amazon Fire TV, as well as additional devices that are going to be rolled out over the course of the year. Did you say how much is the service is going to cost? Yes, this is five ninety nine per month. You know, that's not that much money, but how many movies are offered between MGM, Paramount, and you said another studio, right? Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Like, yes. Those three studios don't – I mean, MGM probably has the largest library of, of the bunch, right? Yeah. They don't go into the details of how many movies will be offered from these. Um, just from saying that it's MGM's full library kind of gives me the impression that it's going to be going into classics as well, which would be a major appeal for epics now. Um, it's something that you don't really associate with epics. But um, having MGM's library, which could go into classics, uh, could eventually just um, – have it rival a Warner Brothers upcoming uh, streaming service as well as kind of fill in the gaps that we've had since Filmstruck uh, was struck down. Yeah. So it seems like in the future, we're going to have to subscribe to what Netflix. We're going to have to subscribe to Hulu if we want some of those like, you know, Marvel animated uh, cinematic universe shows. We're going to also have to subscribe to Disney Plus and whatever Warner Media is coming up with. And then HBO Go and then also Epics. And then you add all those together and it costs more than the price of your the cable subscription that we were trying to get rid of when cutting the cord. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is uh, Brad, is this something you would subscribe to? Um, probably not. It doesn't seem like they're offering enough for me to take advantage of it, especially since their original programming leaves something to be desired. I do hope and wonder, though, if this means that there there might be some kind of deal brewing where they can figure out a way to join movies anywhere, because one of the most frustrating things to, for me right now is that movies from uh, Paramount and Lionsgate uh, and MGM are not included in the Movies Anywhere deal, so none of the movies that I have from those studios on iTunes cross over to Vudu or Movies Anywhere or anything like that. So if there's some kind of thing that helps get that along, then I'm, I'm all for that. I feel like people like Chris and Ben would be interested in this just from the entire MGM library alone. That sounds like it could be a cool deal. I just don't think Epics is going to bring enough original contra- uh, content to the mix. I remember, like, I don't think I've ever subscribed to Epics. And back in the day, um, I think like ten years ago, their big claim to fame was like having like Kevin Smith was recording stand-up specials, like Q and A specials for Epics, and that was their big exclusives. Um, but uh, who knows? Maybe Pennyworth will be worth uh, checking out and uh, paying that five ninety nine at least for one month to binge binge through uh that series but uh we'll have to see uh over the weekend some news hit uh james cameron has been doing some press lately because of battle angel uh being in theaters and we learned a bit about the new terminator movie terminator 6 which is in production brad what do we know terminator 6 is coming this fall and we don't know a ton about it but james cameron did finally give us a working title for the movie uh, while he was doing some press uh, over the weekend about Alita Battle Angel. And he said that right now, their working title is Terminator Dark Fate. Um, but since he does know that... That, the, that, that the, sounds I, like a bad video game title. Like a I, video game I spinoff. Thought, I thought it sounded like a, a tie-in novel title. Oh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I, I would go with that too. Yeah, so it's um, they, he did say that that's the title they're working with right now. So it sounds like it's maybe subject to change. They're probably just testing some other titles, maybe and figuring out what the best approach is. Uh, they'll probably have to decide pretty soon, though, since I'm sure they'll need to start their marketing campaign sometime in the coming months, since the movie does come out this November. Um, but it's I, I don't know at this point. I'm not sure that you can come up with like a great Terminator <laughs> title that doesn't doesn't sound cheesy because. Uh, you know the the options are just are I think are few and far between when you have a title that that is already kind of cheesy in itself that that's called Terminator. We also learned some more interesting news that Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, character is going to be a new cyborg. Yes, apparently, uh, in addition to confirming the working title, James Cameron said, uh, "quote Arnold's back and he's bad. He's a different Terminator than you've seen ever seen before. I mean, literally, he's a different uh, chassis number, uh, but he's also a very different guy than you've seen before." Now we've we've gotten a look at how Arnold Schwarzenegger will appear in the movie, but we had no idea as to what kind of Terminator be or anything like that. Unfortunately, Cameron didn't provide any details, but I, I wonder if since this movie is meant to take place after the events of Terminator 2: Judgment Day, if maybe we'll get some kind of uh, hybrid between the T1000's more advanced liquid metal technology and the the usual look of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Um, it is it it does appear in the what we've seen from the movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger has aged, so we we're not going to get another um, young Terminator or anything like that. But uh, this is in addition to the fact that Gabriel Luna is also playing a different kind of Terminator in this movie as well. So since we know so little about this movie, it's hard to know exactly you know just what kind of new Terminator this is. I'm so curious if people are actually going to go see this movie because I feel like people have been terminatored out by all the you know recent sequels and uh, people have very much thought they were lackluster. But you know James Cameron's back here and Arnold is back and uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what this actually looks like when they actually release a trailer. But speaking of trailers, we have one last thing to talk about and I know we're going long, but this is something we we need to discuss, guys. Last night, they really, uh, Disney released a TV spot for Aladdin that finally showed us Will Smith as the the big blue genie, and he is big and he is blue. Um, <laughs> I when they showed the first trailer for this, I think I was the only one that was very positive about this. I have like such an optimistic, hopeful view on all these things, like it, bringing these animated films to life. Like it, it kind of looked. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it looked promising to me, but then I saw this TV uh, spot that showed Will Smith basically, I guess, in digital blue makeup, and I am not sure I even want to see this film now. Uh, HT, what is your reaction to this spot? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I was the complete opposite uh, reaction of you uh, in terms of the beginning, uh, Peter, and yeah. that I was not looking forward to this film at all. And I think this just kind of hammered in that I am not interested in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this this uncanny valley um, version of Will Smith is just so disconcerting. I don't know how I could watch this movie without just like laughing the entire time. It's It doesn't look good. Um, I... <laughs> That's an I understatement. That's like yeah, saying so, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is good. All right. Okay. Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D. is fine, <laughs> Peter. How's that? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, it looks really bad, I'm, I'm saying, for Will Smith. And um, 
Yeah, I don't really have uh, the benefit of the doubt for this because I just don't think Guy Ritchie was was right for this uh, film in the first place. I think that it's it has leaned way too much into the original film's iconography to be something that would interest me beyond just like rewatching the original animated film. I I just I'm not interested in this movie. I and I'm I'm even less so because of this film uh, because of this uh, TV spot and so. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, Peter. <laughs> when this first hit, we saw, like, uh, someone took a screenshot. I think they took a photo of their TV on Twitter and posted it, and it got posted into our Slack channel. And, Brad, you were the first person to see this this uh, image of Will Smith as the genie, and you were like, no, this is a Photoshop. It's not real. Yeah, I thought it had to be fake and because like, it— <laughs> It didn't help that it was a picture of a screen, and so I thought it was just someone trying to make it look like it was authentic, because Will Smith's face just looks so funky in this. Like, it's clearly they're doing they're doing some kind of motion capture performance thing with his face, um, but it's not finished yet. It's still it, it almost looks like the way that Jeff Bridges' young face does in Tron Legacy uh, in retrospect, where it, it looks more like a video game than you know a real face with visual effects applied to it. So I, I'm hoping that maybe this is just one of those things where it's so early in the game and they released, you know, a version of it where it looks as good as it can right now and it'll look better in the final version. Because I will say there's a still photo that they released where the genie is pointing at Aladdin and it looks better, at least as far as the quality of the visual effects is concerned. But the other problem is that aesthetically, this just does not, it just looks very odd seeing Will Smith's face on this big blue genie body so i i don't i don't know i'm just on top of that the rest of the quick shots in this movie just look super artificial like everything about it looks like it's some kind of cheesy like uh soap opera or something like that like you see a um a quick shot of the parade that aladdin goes through as prince Ali Ababa, and it just looks incredibly fake and so i i do wonder if maybe one of the things that they're going for here is to give it kind of an artificial, almost Bollywood feel, since that would give it some international appeal. But even the, even then, like, it's just, I don't know, there's something about it that just feels weird to me. Yeah, I would say that that's kind of a look that has been consistent with all of the Disney live-action remakes. And it kind of worked a little bit for Beauty and the Beast because that level of artifice almost... Fixed, uh, fitted that um, Baroque style of the of the film, but here it just looks really fake and looks really just car- uh, cartoonish in a bad way. Because I love cartoons, I love anime series, but this is not does not um, do justice to the original animated film. <sighs> I'm so disappointed because you know I'm such a Disney fan. And I did not like the Beauty and the Beast uh, live action remake. I know HT, you didn't as well, and uh, and especially, but at least they got the main characters looking right. Like I thought Emma Watson as um, Belle looked great, and the Beast looked great. But then, like it was all the side characters, like the the objects in the Beast castle that looked like horrible. And uh, I guess the same thing's happening here because Genie is not the main character of this tale. Uh, but I don't know, I guess <sighs> let's wait until we see more guys. Let's, let's, let's hold off in judgment. Although if you look at, you know, Twitter and film Twitter, it seems like everybody is completely ridden off this movie at this point. It's, it's kind of sad. 
but that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can find more of all the stories we mentioned on today's podcast on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast, Slash Film Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And please head on over to iTunes, rate and review this podcast, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. It should be called Terminator Judgment Day again. Judgment Night. Judgment Night, yes. <laughs> Wait, do you think people would hate that if it was called Judgment Night? Yes, I would, I would immediately hate that. <laughs> Judgment Before Midnight. <laughs>